today on CityCast Pittsburgh. Police here have a lot of technology. Some of it works better than others. Most of it is pretty expensive. And there's at least one tool that's been pretty controversial in recent years. It's called ShotSpotter. And some cities like Chicago say they want nothing to do with it anymore. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh wants to invest more. Today, we're with a policing scholar to talk about the multi-year, multi-million dollar program here, what we know about how it's used here, and why Pittsburgh just might want to reconsider. It's Wednesday, February 21st. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh's talking about. David Harris, welcome back to CityCast Pittsburgh. Great to be with you again, Megan. Nice to see you. Uh, It's been a while since folks here on the show have gotten to hear you. Uh, We're very grateful to have a lot of new listeners these days, too. Uh, Would you mind sharing sort of uh, what you do here in Pittsburgh? Because you wear many important hats. I appreciate you, and I appreciate that. I am uh, a professor of law at the University of Pittsburgh School of Law. Uh, As you said, my main areas uh, that I teach and write in, criminal law, criminal procedure, which is uh, 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 search and seizure law, uh, evidence, and uh, other things. I teach also as an inside-out instructor at the State Correctional Institution in Greene County. And uh, I work a lot with folks like you in uh, in the media to uh, uh, increase public understanding of police issues uh, and uh, public safety in general. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you. You're very kind to keep us all in the know. Um, you also get to be critical, which I think is kind of an important point to like zoom out a little bit and see what's working and maybe call a spade a spade if it seems like perhaps we're not going in the right direction or a particular department or bureau could be doing something better. It's always been something that's fascinated me about your specific line of work. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I, 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 it's one of the great things about being in the academic world. Um, if you if you do it right, you're not about a particular uh, point of view as much as you are about pointing things out. That's how I look at it. Uh, and when I say that, what I mean is you give people the information, you show them that uh, the data supports this or doesn't support that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are public policy questions that are very difficult across public safety, as in any complicated field. And the most important thing to do is to be completely informed. Make those choices with your eyes open. Uh, be open to all the historical narratives that are really out there, the ways that, for instance, uh, police departments have treated various groups of people over the years. Uh, with that kind of information, you can make better decisions. And this is all about making important decisions of public policy with public resources. Mm-hmm. And with all of that in mind, tell us about this technology that's been in the headlines so much lately. What is ShotSpotter and how does it get used? Well, ShotSpotter is uh, is not all that complicated in concept. It is an array of very sophisticated microphones that are mounted in public on things like telephone poles, utility poles, even buildings uh, across a particular area, a neighborhood, or even an entire city. Mm-hmm. The, this array of microphones is designed to pick up 
uh, loud uh, banging noises. I mean, that's literally what I mean, because what it is aiming to do is using digital technology and these sophisticated microphones, it's, it looks to identify sounds that could be gunshots. Right. And uh, it uses a triangulation of sorts of several microphones to uh, give uh, a, a model of where the loud noise is coming from within something like 80 feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, this information, when, when the uh, software detects what could be a gunshot, it relays this information back to the company's headquarters. And by the way, it is a private company. Right. Sound Thinking is the name of it. Mm-hmm. It sells this technology and software in use to municipalities. It sends that information back to headquarters where a human being looks at it, makes a judgment about it, and within one minute, the, the company says, the city police are alerted, there's been a gunshot or gunshots in this particular small area. And then police can dispatch to that area, uh, look around to see if uh, there there's an ongoing uh, shootout, I mean, in the worst scenario, or uh, a victim suffering from a gunshot wound, or maybe nothing at all. Uh, what this uh, is supposed to do is uh, uh, increase the number of reports that police get of shots fired because they don't they don't get a report from a member of the public every time a gunshot goes off. Right. And obviously, gunshots can mean violent crime. Gunshots. Now, the problems come in because uh, you get false reports. Sometimes you can pick up a backfire from a truck or a motorcycle. You can pick up fireworks. Pittsburghers joke all the time. Yeah, fireworks. Exactly. Like you you hear the noise and you're like, is it which one was it? Depending on what neighborhood you live in. And there may be a judgment call attached to that. Yeah, it's not foolproof. I mean, we have this idea that technology is a kind of silver bullet. It's going to solve our problems. It's going to give us a tool in this instance to get a handle on gun violence. Uh, It is a tool, but none of this stuff is foolproof. None of it is without error and none of it will completely solve uh, any category of problems for us. We always have to involve human judgment. And when you do that, you get errors, you get questions of policy, you get questions of how to use resources. Yeah. I mean, and this company, Sound Thinking, they have contracts and they say 150 cities right now. Um, Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh, of course, is one of them. Is there anything unique about where or how we're using the technology compared to other places that you're aware of? No, not really. Um, Some cities uh, have deployed these across an entire city area. Others uh, have done this only in certain areas. Uh, Pittsburgh uh, has done this across 18 square miles of its 55 square miles, and most of it is deployed uh, in the areas with the highest concentration of violent crime reports in the past. Yeah, there's a really good article that kind of explains some of the backstory of how we got involved with the tech um, from Public Source. We'll link it in the show notes. Um, but they have this map attached to it that like color codes it so you can physically see where all of these shot spotter devices are all over the city. Yes, exactly. I saw that. It's very good. And it, you know, it shows you north side, zone five, uh, some areas like that. Which is like the top of the east end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, what you have is these particular areas, not all of Pittsburgh, these particular areas uh, being listened to, if you like, 
by ShotSpotter technology. And by the way, these don't pick up conversations. It's nothing like that. It's not some kind of uh, surveillance device like that, but it is particularly attuned to things that might be gunshots. Hey, Pittsburgh. Behind those stately red doors on Bingham Street, the brilliant minds at Pittsburgh's City Theater have a brand new stage show for you. It's a modern revamp of the Shakespearean classic Hamlet. Fat Ham follows a young queer black man named Juicy, whose father visits from beyond the grave to demand Juicy avenge his murder. Check it out through March 24th and get your tickets at citytheatercompany.org. Use code CITYCAST, all one word, for $5 off. David, what do you hear from cops about this technology? Do they like it? Mostly they do. Yeah, they uh, they feel that it gives them a leg up. It dispatches them more rapidly. And every time something might be or is likely to be or is probably a gunshot, um, we saw uh, comments recently from uh, Chief uh, Scarado here in Pittsburgh saying, oh, this is really helpful. We want this. Uh, we want it extended, maintained. We want to expand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's what we're hearing here in Pittsburgh. Uh, so most police sources really think this is beneficial to them. Uh, in making the, uh, the case for it, I've seen a pattern. I've seen something that I've seen in patterns before with different technologies and different tactics. That is, police claim, "Look how it helps in this way." Uh, you know, it gets us to gunshot victims. We get faster response times uh, to a scene, things like that. Often without any concrete examples, and often only spotlighting the uh, the successes as they see it, without any focus or even mention. Of the cost, of course, there's the dollar cost involved. Yeah, I think our we're spending somewhere around up 1.2 million a year on this. Right, and so that's not nothing uh, for a, a municipal budget of our size. And then there are other costs too. If you are sending police into these neighborhoods that are already heavily policed, you're sending them in hot, basically, with the idea that there could be uh, 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 some kind of gunshots happening. You're getting a a stronger police presence with an edge of, oh, there's danger here. Yeah. And that's that's also a cost. I mean, they could be right about this, uh, but there could be also nobody there. And to the extent that we got statistics out of Pittsburgh on this, when this has come up in news coverage like that public source article, it's really a pretty small percentage of cases where they even recover any evidence that a gun has been used. Yeah, that's the thing that I've seen from the police bureau here. I believe it was the acting chief at the time, um, Stan Grecki, that was talking about how, well, we like it for evidence recovery. You know, we may get over there and there's no sign of anything, but we pick up a shell casing or something. I guess I just like that doesn't tell me a ton of information about how it might be helpful long term, though. Um, One of the things about, you know, this technology that I've been really intrigued by is like cities like Chicago. It's enormous. There's so much like academia and research happening there. They have a ton of data about ShotSpotter and whether it works or it doesn't. So they've been able to make this really informed choice. Do cities like Pittsburgh get that level of like introspection so we can make that smart decision? Well, we haven't. 
That much we know. We have not really had that kind of intensive study of the data. In Chicago, it's such a great example because we all know that they have significant crime problems and they've done a lot of things to try and address those things. So you've had a study out of the, uh, the watchdog agency over the police department. You've had one out of at least one, maybe two different university units. Um, there has been a lot of attention paid to it. And we're talking about Chicago a lot because it was just this past week that the mayor said, we're done, we're not doing this anymore, which was a huge campaign promise for the mayor as well. So there was a big question as to whether or not he would keep that promise. Absolutely. Uh, When he ran, uh, this uh, mayor, who is relatively new uh, as a mayor, he won the Democratic primary, which is all you have to do in Chicago, uh, beating the incumbent, Uh, This was one of his campaign promises, that he would end it. Uh, And uh, he did this in the face of police saying that would be a big mistake, very much like what you're hearing here in Pittsburgh. We want this. Uh, It's a step backwards not to have it. But he said, wait a minute, this is an investment of public resources. Uh, As far as we can tell, we're not getting much bang for the buck and we are getting a strong feeling in our neighborhoods that we are being surveilled. We are getting more police presence. And a lot of that police presence is of that sort of hot variety. We can invest these resources in other things that will pay off, we think, in better ways. So it's always a question of policy and where you invest your resources. There's nothing about this technology that means that a city has to have it. Yeah. And I mean, I do think like if you take a look at that map, too, it is it is obvious immediately that these are by and large are black and brown neighborhoods that they're sending more officers into that. That's where the surveillance is happening. Absolutely. And, you know, that's based on prior crime reports. And so whatever's going on now is perpetuating into the future. Now, People who live in those neighborhoods, and I have worked in community settings with people in those neighborhoods, they want police services. Mm -hmm. They do not want their police abolished. They don't want to see less police, but they want their policing done in the same ways that it would be done in other neighborhoods. Maybe they don't feel that this is the best way to invest those public funds. And that's what a, 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 a political candidate then and a mayor now like Uh, Brandon Johnson in Chicago was responding to. So it's a question of how you do it. Everybody's against gun violence. Everybody. The question is how you tackle it, how you use your resources to address that question. And maybe shot spotter is one answer, but it's not the right answer for every city. What about here in Pittsburgh? Have you heard anything from, you know, Mayor Ed Ganey or, you know, his predecessors about whether they think this is working? Uh, Nothing from Mayor Ganey that I am aware of. Chief Scarato, like I said, has been very public in saying, no, this is a good thing. We want more of it. And so are members of council. They talked about that to the Trib last week. Absolutely. They are. They wanted to expand. Again, their public statements did not contain any concrete examples of benefits, <laughs> just assertions. Yeah. Um, from the public source article, uh, the Pittsburgh Bureau reported, um, this was in 2021, um, that 20 percent of shot spotter alerts resulted in evidence collection. Three percent of shot spotter alerts resulted in an arrest and four percent of those alerts led police to a victim in need of assistance that may be 
the circumstances tend to be different and it doesn't specify, but sometimes the assumption is that perhaps they weren't able to call 911 or to stay on the line. So maybe this was part and parcel of that. Um, what are you hearing from advocacy groups, either here in Pittsburgh or more broadly, about the criticism? Why are whole governments like Chicago and Charlotte and San Antonio ditching this thing? And because and put that in context with why Pittsburgh might be doubling down. Yeah, well, it's 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 the minority of cities that have used ShotSpotter that are giving it up. And now Chicago is an incredibly important and large example of a city that is giving it up, but still most are retaining it. What we are hearing is uh, largely unsubstantiated by factual, concrete examples. I mean, we had a, a council person, like I, uh, like you were saying, here in Pittsburgh say, well, this could save lives. It re- reduces response times, things like that. Well, great. Show me where that's made a difference. Uh, you say it collects evidence, and at the same time, the district attorney's office here in, in Pittsburgh says, well, you know, we don't use any of that evidence. We've never used it. And there has been real questioning from advocacy groups uh, about the use of such evidence in court, and it's even uh, gone up the chain in the court system here in Pennsylvania. Yeah, it made it to the state Supreme Court in recent years. That's right. That's right. Um, it's a danger to use evidence of this nature when it is not fully explained or substantiated as valid uh, to even to as backup for the testimony of a witness. And that was how it was used in this particular case. I believe the man's name was Angela Whedon. Mm-hmm. And it was reported that uh, a witness said he fired shots or pointed a gun, something like that. And there was a shot spotter report that uh, said shots were fired in approximately that same area. And that appeared that backed up the witness. Um, so uh, the the response of the courts was, well, the jury could base that same conclusion that he was guilty on the witness testimony. The shot spotter testimony had nothing to do with it. But the defense so the judge, argued like, no, it didn't. This this. Yeah, exactly. The shot spotter exactly. thing made the witness feel more credible. Exactly. And that's that's a danger when you get things that are mathematical, computational or technological introduced into court. Even if they are not the primary evidence, they give this sort of uh, air of objectivity and flawlessness to other testimony when they are included without proper vetting or questioning. And that's what happened in that case. So I I think we need to be cautious about any of this stuff. Like I said, the tech is not a silver bullet for policing. And when you mix this into prosecutions, uh, basically you're asking for trouble until this is at the level of something like scientifically proved to be accurate uh, and validated in competing studies. David, thank you so much for your wisdom and your knowledge, as always. Good to talk to you. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you're liking the show, please tell someone, rate us, leave us a nice review, and make sure you're subscribed to that Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you soon. We did it all and we did it in 20 minutes.